Hi there, and welcome to the podcast, Life as a, a show intently focused on exploring and unearthing the details of professions and the people behind them. I'm your host, Christopher Schoenwald. To some, surfing transcends the actual act of doing it. It embodies far more than dropping into waves and gliding along them. Nah, surfing encapsulates many different things. Take the culture itself, laid back vibes, good tunes, and exotic locales are all elements many would consider part of a good surf lifestyle. Add in the countless film and travel documentaries, along with all the surf-related home decor and clothing brands, and it becomes clear that the sport truly represents a lot more. However, there is one more central element to it all, and quite possibly, it is the most important aspect. I'm referring to the actual surfboard itself. Aside from their practical use, the lines, shapes, and colors used to create them have also come to represent true art in both the construction and design. Now, have you ever wondered what it would be like to be involved in such artistry as far as the shaping and designing goes? What skills would you need? How challenging is it? And what are the rewards? Well, my guest today has such answers because that is exactly what he does in the birthplace of it all, Hawaii. Stephen Hoku Kupuhea is a Honolulu Hawaiian-based owner of Hoku Surfboards, a Hawaiian surf shop and surfboard brand carefully cultivated and grown through his own passion for all things surf-related. At the start of it all, however, Hoku spent 18 years as a professional chef before leaving the food industry to start his own business. Hoku Surfboards was officially founded in Kaka'ako, Honolulu, Hawaii, in March 2021, during the height of the pandemic. Those uncertain times, strangely enough, offered Hoku an opportunity to follow his dreams as a shaper. In his youth, he began surfing at a young age, but his shaping journey began in 2016 as an apprentice under master shaper Arthur Toots Achindis. What started as a desire to shape boards for his personal use quickly became an obsession. Hoka developed an unending curiosity and willingness to push his own limits in the pursuit of his craft. His teacher, Toots, was generous enough to take him under his wing. And through that tutelage, Hoka was able to hone his own skills as a shaper. And during that time, he also exposed himself to the opportunity to learn how to glass. And we'll get into that meaning later. At Dust and Fumes in Waipahu, under the guidance of Alex Nguyen. Toots and Alex taught Hoku how to navigate the entire process of making a surfboard from start to finish. However, as the old adage goes, one can only be a student for so long, and eventually Hoku knew the time had come for him to embark on his own journey. Nowadays, Hoku can be found continually striving to pay homage to his mentors by paying attention to every detail and giving each of his clients the best board he possibly can. His ethos is built around the feeling that it's important to always respect the process and remain true to the craft. Hoku is proud to represent Native Hawaiians in the shaping world and share his culture through the boards he creates. It's his hope that the art and history of surfing and shaping can be perpetuated through future generations. Finally, and most definitely worth noting, is a common refrain heard from others when referring to Hoku's own character and work. Simply put, he's a rad guy who does rad work. So much so, a renowned Hawaiian surf artist, Heather Brown, glowingly endorsed and recommended him for this very podcast. Receiving such respect and praise from his mentors, peers, and those in the Hawaiian surf community have become the norm for this emerging board-shaping artisan. With all that in mind, Hoku, it's an absolute honor to have you on the show today. Welcome. Right on, Chris. Thank you for having me. I've had this, uh, this talk circled on the calendar for, for quite some time, to be honest. I'm really excited to, uh, to get into it all with you. So why don't we? The, uh, the first segment, actually, is something called Coloring Wikipedia. As my listeners would know, basically it's a segment where I just read off a definition of what the guest does. I like to do it for a couple of reasons. 
one, it brings everybody up to speed on what the profession is all about. And then two, it offers this nice kind of jumping off point for guests to kind of explore the profession. Sometimes there's things in the definition that are underrepresented, missing, or otherwise. So yeah, I think it'll be a, a good point for us to start things off with. Sound good to you? Sounds great. All righty. So let me read this off for you. This is from Wikipedia, Surfboard Shaper. Here goes. A surfboard shaper is someone who designs and builds surfboards. The process of surfboard shaping has evolved over the years, and the shaper often tailors his or her work to meet the requirements of a client or a certain wave. Surfboard shapers can be independent or work in collaboration with mass production companies. While originally made from wood, most modern surfboards are now constructed from pre-formed polyurethane or styrofoam blanks. The surfboard is then shaped using an array of tools, including but not limited to the following, surf forms, rasps, sanders, and planes. After the form of the surfboard is sculpted from the blank, the shaper can lay fiberglass sheets over the top and bottom of the surfboard and laminate each sheet with a thermosetting substance such as polyester resin. There it is, a mouthful, a bit wordy, but, uh, but what do you think, Hoka? I think that's a pretty accurate de definition of my day-to-day, -day, basically. You know what I mean? It's broken down and very well on, like, the process of, like, where it started from wood and find that having praise be to the people that still do wooden surfboards. There are people out there that still do that, believe that that craft should still live on, and I believe it should as well, you know, because we all know the Duke rode a 16-foot wooden board made out of koa out of my home break. I mean, definitely like not, let's not forget our history, you know, but I feel like it's a lot easier to do it out of foam. It's a lot quicker. So yeah, the process is pretty much whittle it out of a piece of foam that has a stringer that adds strength. And then, yeah, the color is what makes it, I feel artisan, you know, cause there's so many you could take it and it's an expression of the shaper, but I feel like the difficult part is being the listener and the tailor because it's like you're taking all this information and eternalizing it. So then you basically have to draw a blueprint where, you know, you see a level, you see a saw, you see a planer in your head and being like, okay, these are the steps I'm going to take to get to that point. Yes. Understanding who you're making a board for and what wave you're making it for makes it a lot easier because then you can do your research. People, I don't like to shoot in the dark. So it's like, I'm always like, Hey, it's like Hawaii, you know, come my house, eat, let's go surf, you know? So at least I can see how they surf because it's like, you don't want a suit to be too tight or you don't want a suit to be too baggy. It's a spot on definition. I think a lot of the dream is to the shaper. Yeah. So. Yeah. What, what would, how would things go? Say somebody came into your shop and they weren't from Hawaii or they're from a spot somewhere like, I don't know, say even Fiji and like, a, you know, surfing a break that you know nothing about really. How would you go about it then? Like, would you just research as much as you can about that place before you start? Or would you actually like be like, no, nah, I just, you know, that's not my thing. I would. So for every board, I try and do a consultation just because like I stand behind my product and like if one, if it's not for me to build, yeah. then I would, I would be gladly to pass it on because it's like, I feel like I have a style that like will have people that ride the type of boards I, I ride, you know, which is, you know what I mean? More, I call it like relic surfing, like something that's. It looks like it could come from the, like the 60s and 70s, you know, okay. and put like a modern twist on. So it's like every consultation, I always tell them I do the scale. Like, okay, if you had to rate yourself and be brutally honest, like 10 being the highest and one being the lowest, like what would be your surf level confidence wise of where they at? Because right. if they're looking for next, next level, then yeah. I would I would be there. And if they're in a beginner level, then I, I would like to be there as well, you know, yeah. to be able tailored the suit and i tell everybody i don't just build you one board i build you a quiver so that way you have the opportunity to one elevate your surfing but they also have the right tools for the right job because you're not a long board out to double overhead so right right there and like usually like the finishing is the color it's the the pin line you know and like i think that's where i feel the person starts to own it because they're they feel a part of the build, you know, that they have a say. And to me, it's like an open door because yeah. it's like, if they stand, I can stand behind it. But if I'm fighting the process the whole way and they're unhappy with it, I think only, you know what I mean? That misunderstanding, I would like to have that good understanding from the beginning that yeah. I'm your guy, yeah. like getting a tattoo. 
like, okay, look for an artist to, to build me something that looks like this, you know? So. Right, right, right. No, that's cool. I think I'm learning something new right out of the gate here. I mean, you're bringing the fire. And I think that's something that like a lot of people wouldn't necessarily be aware of, you know, is like how much added detail goes into it and intention goes into like the actual shaping of the board based off of the individual, their level of experience, like the break that they're going to be surfing. I think that's probably, again, on a, in a really general sense, is something that people wouldn't necessarily be familiar with. So you know, I think that's really quite fascinating. Another quick question here, actually. What would be a typical day for you in all of this? For me, it's it's dealer's choice because it's like it's like for right now, it's what is it gonna be early part of May and the first swell already showed up. So and it's it's like okay, and I'm a south shore shaper, so it's like game on. And like the people that were smart ordered their boards in December, so it's like it's a backup period, and people don't know what, what kind of waves are gonna come in, you know. So they're just like wanting to make sure one of everything ready to go. And so like right now I try and do everything in batches. So I tell everybody your board gets made with two hands. It's, it's, it's custom. You know what I mean? It's not like I'm just, you know, pulling it out of the box and then putting a layer of glass on it. It has to be shaped. And so I try and do anywhere from three to five boards a batch, just because like if I start to, to push it, then you know what I mean? Hoping that we have good weather, you know what I mean? Because a lot of the weather here and the chemicals I do work with, react differently so it's like if i got a rainy day then i can shave if it's a sunny day then i would like hot coats and glass so i'm not fighting humidity because here in hawaii the humidity is just uncontrollable and it's like if i'm glassing five boards i don't want to be in a hot box like i want to be able to breathe and get through it and do it correctly so it's like taking that into consideration but if if the boards are shaped, then I'm in glassing. If the boards need to be shaped, then I'm shaping. That's interesting. So it's, it's kind of like you're, you're planning it out based around some of these other factors. So doing it in a batch, you always have a few different boards that are at different stages. Am I reading that right? So like if it is a sunny day, then you've got this option. If it's a rainy day, you've got this option. Yeah, it's like if I'm going to glass, I would like it to be like where the humidity is fine. and I won't have to wait forever for the resin to dry. Yeah. Because with humidity, the resin takes forever to dry. So it's like I'm not. I'm not waiting on the next step. So what I try and do is catch up each board so that when the batch is done, it's it's done together. So it's like, I start a queue. I tell people when I can take orders and I control the flow because I don't want to overwhelm myself. I believe in quality, not quantity. I'd rather take an extra week and do the board right than rush it out and jeopardize the integrity of the board. And people are pretty bored because I think when you cross over into the custom from off the rack, I think people take into the consideration that be mindful that somebody's actually out there doing it. So like today I go in, I will be shaping a board with a customer person wanted to be a part of it just to kind of see the outline and kind of rough it out. And then kind of like leaves his trust with me. And then I move on, shape that board and I'll probably finish shaping the last couple of boards for the batch to go into glass. So I'll probably have some couple happy customers coming next Friday. <laughs> nice. So. Nice. Got many questions here. I don't want to blow them all right now. So why don't we, uh, why don't we move into a new segment here? Something called a Q and a discovery where we can continue this kind of back and forth. So does that sound all right? Yep. That sounds great. The first question I have for you here is what is, you know, a typical timeline for you as far as, you know, conceptualizing an idea right on through to the, the completion phase. Maybe you could walk us through some of the steps there. Okay. So like I said earlier, the consultation is a big, a big step because it shows that they mean business. I mean business, like let's do it, you know, and like it's the yay or nay of if it's going to happen or not. And then like after that, you know I mean? I have them, I take a small deposit just, you know, that way I can get materials. So each board usually takes, cause I'm batching them out, usually takes about, if I do a six board batch, usually takes about two to three weeks. Okay. And by that, say six boards on six boards on six boards, then you know what I mean? You're looking at a month and a half if you're on the tail end and you're looking at three, you're on the front end. So I usually tell the customers a rough, like an estimated time, because like if I get my blanks from US blanks and I work with Fiberglass Hawaii, so it's a lot of moving players in the game. So it's like a lot of linking up and making sure that the product's even on island. So starting, as you, as you understand, starting a business in the pandemic, something that would take three weeks and six weeks. So it was, I'm grateful for my customers being comfortable with the time frame and being, you know, flexible. So ideally I control the flow. So that way, like, again, I give the, the best quality I can. And I tell everybody it's, it's not that I'm trying to make you wait. It's just that I want to make sure that I hit a, B and C 
have things gotten better in terms of sourcing materials right now, or is it still open here in Hawaii? It's, it's helped a lot because now that there's more planes in the sky, so then you can get stuff freighted and you know what I mean? A lot of stuff still gets shipped on time. More people went back to work, which is great. You know what I mean? Because people that blowing blanks need to be blowing blanks and you know, people that are making acetone need to make acetone for me to do my job. So it's like, I have to just respect the issue that longer which i have to portray to the customer but like i said when people them they're kind of a little bit more lenient just because they understand that like yeah you need certain things to 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 come in to do your job so it's like i'm never trying to what do i say i uh i always under promise and over deliver so if you get your board early you get your board early you know so it's like i try my best to to get them in, get them out get keep them happy and keep them like queued up like they know where they are in the build after the blanket shape i send them a photo they sign off on that i mix the color shoot a photo sign off on that so that way at the end we're all abreast of what happened in the build so it's something that i want the customer to feel like a part of it you know because it's like you know it's the relationships you make you know oh that's cool i mean that sort of embodies a lot like you know, i was leading off this you know on the top of what the you know surfing represents and i think you just spoke to it to a degree there i mean it's community it's relationships it's, it's a lot of you know and there's something more to it it's it's at least for me from an outsider's perspective it's not like just this impersonal process at least the way you run your business like there is that mm-hmm. involvement as you just said and uh, i think that's special i mean that that's where the bonds are sort of developed in a sense and that's where a lot of the enjoyment you know if, if i were to be buying a board from you like getting these updates along the way, that's where your excitement as a customer is sort of mounting and building as well. You're, you're involved in it. You can see it. It's, it's much different than say, just going into a, a big shop perhaps and just picking a board off the rack and taking your credit card out and paying for it. Like, I think what you offer is, uh, is this personalized process and uh, a lot more meaning behind it, which ultimately I think in the end is going to deliver a greater level of satisfaction, I would assume at least. So yeah, it's really interesting. You know, it's for people to understand what I do. And again, it's like each board is a business card. So it's like, I want them to, to, to walk out confidently that this board's going to work for them, that it's going to, you know what I mean? A lot of it is on them, but I want to make that transition comfortable for yeah. them to where they are that confidence to where they go from being shy to confident in the water. You know what I mean? And if I can, do that that's night and day for me and like it's already a joy just to be able to shape them aboard so it's like if i can stoke them out they're already stoking me out because these are the days i'm going to talk about like years from now being like oh i worked in this little shop and i made these these many boards and it was great you know and i'm going to do it as i can in, in this style process what returning to the process really quickly what what is the most difficult i don't know stage within it all is there one particular point where like ah this is the troublesome section this is this is where things get you know real essentially like i really got to be on my game or is it more or less kind of an even sort of flow i think i think the 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 most difficult is part of the process is is not stopping till you get what you want you know it's like you have this vision in your in your head and of course you're you're visualizing it through each step and you want to make sure that you're you're hitting that every single time, even if it's just the same model board, you want to make sure that you're hitting it. That way your, your consistency gets better. That's the hardest part for me is always being that I'm getting what I want out of my head and turning it into reality towards the blank. Cause I think once you nail that, I think that's when you, you get gold. And that's why I like, I like to do a lot of experimental shapes for myself because mm-hmm. it's like I push the barrier you know like i like how this responds under my feet but what if i was to thin out the rail a little bit or what if i was to put a hard edge here or what if i was a different style bottom on the same shape so like i think that's the hardest part is being focusing enough on the shape but then still being experimental and let the process flow with you versus you fighting it you know and i tell everybody if you feel like you're defeated walk away you know and keep at it you're only going to whittle it down and you're you're I feel like only negative will come out of it because you're forcing it, you know? So come back with new eyes, go surf, come back or crack a beer and come back and then come back with new eyes. And then I guess fine clarity is the, is the key. 
Right, right. Maybe, maybe this is a nice segue into the next question here, and maybe you just answered it to a certain degree, but where do you draw a lot of that inspiration in terms of new ideas? Uh, you know, maybe it's from, like you just said, from your actual surfing experiences, like, well, you know, try this out, see how this goes, or... Uh, pretty hilariously, I like listening to groms and people talk about their boards in the water. So I was just like looking at what they're riding and kind of understanding and, you know, taking a little bit of like what the people I look up to in the in the industry. And I tell everybody, I just try and create like timeless maneuverable art, I guess you could say. And it's it's kind of in a nutshell, you know, it's like, is that even possible? But like, I try and pull an outline from the sixties and then try and put like a different concave on it. And I feel like the sixties lives on, you know what I mean? And there's like a little segue for the new age to kind of be bred into like, yeah, we can go with a little bit deeper concave. Maybe we should go back to the flat bottom, you know? So I think just listening to other people talk about their stoke and their ideas of board design kind of sparks more inspiration. Cause like, you know what I mean? I, I feel like it's like music. We're not really recreate. We're not creating anything from thin air. We're taking things from other people's hands that, that created stuff. And like, you just see the evolution from like the lightning bolt to a modern day single fin, you know? So it's, we're just replicating, but like, if we can kind of, again, make it, dance under our feet, I guess, you know, or react differently in different situations. I feel like as a create, being a creative mind, like getting those, getting to feel that under your feet and with the right, I guess, Coliseum to do that is, you know, why we do it. Yeah. 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 No, that's a really fascinating answer and a way of looking at it. I never would have, you know, I never would have considered it that way. And uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like every time you open your mouth, I'm learning something new, which is really exciting. So I'm, thoroughly enjoying this we're only part way into it so uh I have another question actually kind of again we're just kind of like segueing into ones that i think are all sort of interconnected in a way i'd like to kind of bring in the aspect of you being you know native hawaiian you know what does your work mean to you in that sense you've already referenced you know the past and history as being you know important to you now culturally speaking as well i mean there's history there you know the surfing being born in hawaii as well uh the duke you'd already mentioned him too right i mean like how would you comment on that as far as your connection, culturally speaking, and then, you know, your, your bigger connection to the surf community as a whole? Uh, it's, it's difficult because it's, you know what I mean? It's, it's Hawaii. A lot of people have come, a lot of people have gone, you know, so I feel like my representation of me being native, it's, it's, I feel a lot is on my shoulders, you know what I mean? Because like, I feel like, yeah, I want to help the next generation. So it's like, yes, I want to help the Kanak Maoli, you know, I want yeah. them to have opportunities I never had in, in the surf community. So it's like, I try and find, and then just, this is just speaking out. I'm not looking for any kind of gratification or anything, but I, I want to like help people. So it's like, I try and tell myself once a year, I'll try and build a board for a person that I feel deserves it, you know what mm. I mean? And get back into the community because it's like without community, we're nothing. And that's just like back to, to Hawaii and like Ohana, like even if it's just the community, you're still family, you know what I yeah. mean? And like yeah. what a, to, to pick up somebody out there when they're down and tell them like, it's going to be okay. In that sense, it might come off a lot bigger from somebody that they look up to. I'm not saying that there's people that look up to me, but like, you know, hearing it or just, you know, being like hearing that you can do it. That's, that's the, another motive why we do it. Cause if I could get another Kanaka to do what I do, then I feel like my thumbprint or my footprint in the sand is going to be left behind. And if you live in Hawaii, you all know you guys go to the beach. So it's like surfing has been Hawaii's last time since the beginning of surfing. So right, it's like, right blood so it's like yeah my girl she knows she's like oh you're gonna go surf i'm like you you know it that's part of the job you know <laughs> so it's a lifestyle i think and embracing the lifestyle and having culture intertwined together mm. i couldn't have anything more i'm living the best life you know creating something to give to the, the surf community and you know what i mean my island that i grew up my home you know and watching everybody prosper in that in that process so yeah. That must be so rewarding, you know, the, the way you just laid it out there. One, finding, you know, a passion and just absolutely loving it all. But then also having this added layer to it 
which could, you know, have some pressure associated with it, as you mentioned, but also at the same time, like, you know, also the word opportunity, I think is also equally attached to it too, where you, you are able to maybe like affect other people's lives. Like who knows, you know, a youth or somebody who's a little bit younger. Yeah. I'm sure they do look up to you. You pumping out all these cool boards consistently and starting to get some recognition yourself. And you're probably taking on that role of a, or a role model in, in a way, whether you want that or not at times, I'm sure. So yeah, I think there there would be a lot of different layers to it all that, that could add several senses of satisfaction. Well, I do have another question here, actually, Hoku. I did note in the in the bio as well that you have been capturing the attention of others. One in particular, rather well-known Hawaiian artist, Heather Brown. And here's my question, man. What is that like? You know, how does that feel? You, you'd mentioned this. I mean, you haven't been doing it for a ton of time necessarily, but your work is resonating. You know, it's capturing attention. It's, it's getting people talking. And again, you know, Heather Brown, she's, uh, you know, again, quite well-renowned internationally speaking, and she's growingly right. endorsing your work. Well, you know, what is that like? Well, uh, it's awesome that I did. You know what I mean? She is a friend and I yeah. get to, I get her at our, our, I like to call the, the living situation, the compound where we have barbecues and stuff. And it's like coconut wireless. So it's like you throw out, Hey, we're going to barbecue. Yeah. And you know, 30 people that were surfing that day will come out, you know what I mean? And just knowing that there she's amongst the family that comes here is a, is a blessing. And for me, it's like, it, it's great that people with the artistic eyes see it, that I'm trying, you know, it's not that I'm not, I'm going to stop trying. I think it's just, you know, I always try and, and uh, surf as if no one's looking like there is no camera in the water or you know, try and always keep what I do fun and like rad to like my standards, you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like, it, it has to be fun for, for me, for me to share fun with other people. And I think if I start to put a limit on fun, then it's not going to be fun for other people. It's just keep doing it. You know, like I always keep telling myself when I hit the, the mental block or when I, I want to shape myself aboard, it's just like, you have the tools, just, just do it just do it, you know, like let it flow. And I think with having that type of mentality or just not like no objection of just being like, okay, there is no right or wrong, you know? So it's like kind of throwing it out into the Astros and just hoping for the best. And I think that mentality and I try and put myself in every board. So I think that's gotten me where I am. And I think if I continue to do that, let it be meaningful to me and also to the customer. I, I think that's a great, a great start, I think. Right. I guess essentially just focusing on yourself, what you do and all that other stuff, it'll come, it'll go perhaps, but uh, as long as you're finding satisfaction in what you're doing, ultimately, like that's where, that's where it all lies. Right. Yeah. I think basically what it comes down to is just being in it to not be in it. You know what I mean? If that means anything, you know, it's like, yeah, I want to, I want to build something great. Like I want to, I want to go places. I want to do things through, through making surfboards, but then I'm also okay with walking away one day, you know, and just being like, okay, like leaving that thumbprint behind and being like, okay, hopefully somebody will come and pick it up, you know, or, you know what I mean? Jump into my shoes one day, you know, and I'm just along for the ride, dude. Yeah, 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 totally. All right. No, well said. A couple more questions here. In the opening, I did mention, you know, some of your mentors who helped you along the way. Maybe you could fill us in a little bit more about their influence and, and what that's meant to you, to Toots and Alex. Toots and I have been like friends for a long time. I I stopped counting the years because it's like when you're having a good time, who's counting, right? And uh, it's been a journey. Like we we met through bike riding and it was funny because I was a messenger. I tell everybody this story. I was a messenger at the time and I was uh, bike messaging in Waikiki and I was on on my break and I always hung out in Waikiki before the last run because we were based in Chinatown and I was able to see toot surfing and I would be like, Oh, that guy has freaking style. Like, man, that guy's awesome. And I come from performance shortboarding. So I went opposite direction. So I went from performance shortboarding all the way up to logging and gliding. So it's, it's, I started with a small board, then moved to the big board. And it was a person that helped me with that. You know, he was the segue of like, go slow, like understand, you know what I mean? Longboarding. And that kind of like shined a light where it was like, I was getting to the age where, yeah, I wasn't going to be top 44. Like I wasn't gonna, 
go places with performing shortboarding, but that's what I knew. So it was one of the, where we shared the ocean and he shared his story with me, you know, and being like, have fun, surf, you know, be you, like express yourself, you know, and it's been awesome. It's been a great ride, you know, and I ordered a board from him when he started shaping and was just all like, wow, this board is amazing. And like, was kind enough to like, let me look at the finished shape and then like, let me watch him shape, you know? And I was just all like, I take a crack at it. And you know what I mean? He was kind enough to be like, yeah, you know, and it started with one board, then moved on to two boards and three boards. And then of course, welcome to the addiction because it's just like, you want to see how far you can go into the unknown, you know? And I feel like we're both in it, you know what I mean? He's on his level of, of going into where he wants to go with shaping. And I'm kind of just getting it down, you know, like, I feel like I'm just scratching the surface really out there and just being able to have him as a shop mate and being able to like bounce ideas off of him. Like, will this work? Will this work? And then I just, it's crazy how the questions all change over the years. You know what I mean? And you have the answer. You just have to find it. And of course I break all the rules just to follow him again. Yeah. And at the time I was able to go to, to Waipahu once a week and we got to shape down there for a while. And uh, the glasser that was glassing Toots's boards at the time, Alex was kind enough to show me like how to pour resin, do a bunch of clear because you're not going to touch color until I feel like you have the clear down. And of course, blowing it, kicking it too hot, putting too much hardener. And, you know, of course you have to make the mistakes and understand it. It's part of it. Painful, but it's part of it. Yeah. So it was just like the, the grit was real, I guess, you know, it was like tough love, you know, you blow a board and you have to start from ground zero. But then it made me understand that it's not how fast you make a board. It's how well you make it. Yeah. You know, and it's just like you take your time. You can only get great things. You rush. I'm pretty sure you're not going to get that outcome. So it was just kind of like that hitting home and, and listening to them in my head, whenever I was shaping or glassing being like, okay, kick your laps or watch your rails or what you do to one side is what you have to do to the other side, you know? So it's kind of like, okay, take a step back and internalize. Cause it was always absorb, absorb, absorb you know, when you think you're better than, than what they're telling you, then they're going to like, oh, well, you're going to make those mistakes and you're going to have to pay for it. And I'm glad that I did make those mistakes because I, I know what routes to take and to become a master of something is being able to fix pretty much every problem thrown at you. You know what I mean? And to me, that's a, that's a hard title to hold, you know, and I'm, I'm hopefully one day hope to get even close to that, but I, I told myself that like, yeah, I want to be able to, to fix things as I, and of, of course, learn from them. If you're getting into it, thinking that your first board is going to be the bomb, I'm going to let you down easy and tell you it's probably not going to be that. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it sounds like an incredibly intricate and complex process. And uh, you know, one, technically, just a lot to be taking on and a lot to learn. But then also, too, it's like, it's not just the technical skills. It's what I'm gathering. It's, it's, it's up here as well. And it's also right here, you know, in the heart too. And like what you're putting in it from that perspective. And then you'd already mentioned this off the top in terms of speaking with the person that you're actually making the board for you're integrating, like what that person's level is or what, what their needs are, what their wants are, where they're surfing. It's a lot aside from just the technical skills that go into it. It would seem to be a highly, highly complex process. And, uh, really interesting. I mean, again, I just feel like I'm learning so much from all of this things that I never would have you know, necessarily imagined or probably a lot of listeners as well. So I think, uh, again, yeah, just bring the fire here. Hoko. I think this is great. I'm learning. Yeah. Learning a ton. Even happening that I care a little bit of what I do. So yeah, no, it's absolutely fascinating. We do have one last question in the segment here. And I think it's a nice one to kind of close it out is in your Instagram profile where you're constantly updating and showing some of your works, by the way, the link for that, the handle will be in the show notes. So people can go check it out later, but I did see this in your bio for the Instagram profile. And I'm just going to read this off really quickly. Surfboard maker, seeker of surf, living one day at a time. Could we fill listeners in on what that means to you? I thought that was really interesting. I guess like if you, like, if you know me, it's like, I'm a pre free spirit. Like I'm not like things have to be a certain way. So it's basically like, to me, a profile should kind of explain like the general realization of what you're going to see in the page and 
who you are as a person. So yeah, basically what it comes down to is me just living in the now. Whatever happens now will either like transcend or or whatever, however you want to say it, segue or create the future. But like, you know, keep a tiny eye or tiny look on what you where you want to be, but like let the now happen. Have fun now because yeah. it's like you define it. It doesn't define you. You know what I mean? I will always, as long as my body will let me surf until the day I die, if I can, I will give, give it my all. Like I still have a ton of fight left in me. And like, I, I'm fired up and with shaping wise, I'm going to do it as long as I can then too, you know, but I'm going to live in the now, you know, cause tomorrow is not promised to anyone. You know, I live that. Yeah. So that's something I think a lot of people could take away from it's it's a good reminder right i think our culture is always like next 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 and we're almost like trained to be constantly looking forward and and missing those moments like you said in the now which ultimately are the most special right like those are the ones we should be living within those are the ones the things we should be recognizing but yeah you almost have to sometimes like train yourself to to go back and uh and notice what's occurring around you in that particular moment because if you don't then that's where probably levels of dissatisfaction start to rise you know you taking risks and surfing will pass you by because you're so focused on where you want to be that you're not letting whatever has to happen now you know for a reason not happen and on that's so well said and i think that's also maybe like again i'm just an outsider on this but like I think that's part of the allure of surfing is that right it is everything is in the now essentially if you mm-hmm. want to be good at it right like you have to be you have to be aware of everything that's going on or around you in that moment right how the wave is shaping all, all these different things of course the people around you you've got to be aware of that stuff and i think that's where that spiritual side comes into it I, i'm guessing at least i mean you'd be better at commenting on this than me but um, it would seem to be the case at least is that is that accurate am i under something here when i'm in the ocean anything on land doesn't matter anymore you know what I mean? If that means anything, but it's like, it's a time for me to get away and yeah. like for me to be able to get away and then come back into something like daily life. Like I give my, you know what I mean? All my all at the shop and then I can go surf, you know, and that's like my reward, you know, and to be like, Oh, I had a bad day. I'll go surf. And then you come back, you feel so much better. So you're not, you're not just shoveling it on to someone else or, you know what I mean? Getting that connection to the ocean. And I think that's something I had since a young age that you what you give to the ocean is what the ocean gives back to you and i feel like in 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 all like the ocean has only been great to me you know it fed me at one point i get to surf waves five minutes from my house like again just blessed you know and be a part of it and i know I'll, you know what i mean i'll be a part of it as long as i can but all right well, why don't we segue, segue into a new segment here and this is something called a water cooler story Basically here, I just ask guests to indulge listeners with a story relating to their profession. So I'll let you take it from here, Hoka. Okay. So again, I guess I'll go back to my dad. Um, I, I was, uh, I lost my dad at a really young age. So it was a lot of his stuff he said to me means a lot to me now as a, mm-hmm. as a, uh, a grown up. but, uh, he's still with me in his sayings, but I feel like what he said was that like, if you love what you do. You won't work another day in your life. So, and I think I finally gotten close to that. Mm, sounds <laughs> so, like it. Like I feel like I, I loved, I love shaping surfboards. Yeah. And cause it's like, each is different. It's a different recipe. It's a different feel. It's a different, you know what I mean? Occasion. So it's like, yeah, it's hard to get tired of it. And for me coming from the cooking world, kind of, I kind of understood that. I like, yeah, you, you kind of got to understand things are set out a certain way. So you have to follow certain things. And of course, you know, you feel like you're not held captive to the, the craft, but like always trying, trying, trying. And I feel like with, with shaping, it's just like, again, it's not objectionable. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's my take or my feel on it. So there's no one really judging me, but, you know, but myself. So it's just awesome when you, it hits home to yourself when you, you're, you're the one to blame if it didn't come out that way or not like someone critiquing your work every day in the industry at the table with their fork, you know? And I was just like, it was getting daunting. I was just like, I, I love it. I love creating, you know, I'm a creative mind, but at the same time, higher and higher every year. And I'm like, the, I feel like the only person that I'm competing with is with myself in shape. Who do you want to be? Like, it's you asking that self, asking yourself that are you being the change you want to see, you know? So like 
asking myself those questions was like, okay, dad, I'm really going to love what I do, you know, and with shaping, it's a lot different because there is a recipe and I can change that recipe and that's on me. So that's how I live it, man. It's just being able to, to live my life one day at a time, being the change I want to see, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, man. I think I, I'm getting that impression, you know, through the course of this conversation that you do seem plugged into like what you are doing and enjoying all these moments along the way. And then also like, you know, what you just shared there, you're reflecting on past moments, past sentiments passed on from people that were meaningful to you. And you've integrated, you found ways to integrate all these different things into your craft which I think is, is quite compelling. I mean, that, that's really interesting. Not, not many people probably are able to do these things or have figured out the ways of bringing these parts, these feelings into their life, into their work. And for those who can, like yourself, it's going to deliver levels of satisfaction and happiness that, uh, that again, unfortunately, a lot of people probably don't ever achieve. And it sounds like you're well on your way to... Uh, and to, to, to hitting on those things, which, uh, yeah, hats off to you for that. Thanks, man. Like I said, it's just like, I am what I am, man. I'm Popeye, dude. <laughs> so, <laughs> Alrighty. Perfect. Well, thank you for sharing that. It was a really, uh, you know, inspirational. I think that's probably the right word for that story there. All right. Well, we are heading into the last segment here, something called a crystal ball segment. It's kind of, as the name implies, we're looking to the future, usually trends, prediction, and so on and so forth. And I'd like to lead off with this question here, actually. You know, where do you see the future of shaping going or evolving towards? You know, recently there's been this explosion of new board designs, unique styles. Do you see major changes as far as the way shapers do their work? Uh, and really quickly too, I mean, like I, every time I go into Instagram, I'm seeing Kai Lenny, you know, world famous, you know, Waterman, essentially he's like ripping on some new like hydrofoil or does on an electric board or something like that. Like there, there is some, some changes taking place, but I'd be curious to hear, you know, your perspective, somebody who's living and breathing this industry. Overall, it's a bit, basically my, my crystal ball would be like consistency and creating, you know, boards that work for people, never giving up on that process of like delivering that, like that's the first and foremost for me, you know, and I feel like there's all these different additives to surfing now that like, which is creating you know momentum in all different directions of surfing but i think i'll stick with with board design like like boards you have to paddle in the waves and stuff just because to me working for a wave and waiting for a board and then like feeling that feeling under your feet being like wow this amazing feeling or getting a parallel 10 in, in the hook and being like wow this thing is holding me up in the wave this is amazing you know and uh, like, to me, that's what hits home is my reps in, get, get my reps in, continue to, to create consistency in what I do, because I think that's what people gravitate to. And like, even in the process, like I want people to come back. I want more of this. I want less of this. I want that. That's when the dialogue is open. Yeah. And maybe even have a team one day where I can help them and give them opportunities to compete. And, you know, I'm still going to ride my gear. And if I can compete, I'll, I'll compete. You know, it's, it's not a competition, but I would like to be able to surf a spot with like five people out and really push my gear to the next level, you know, minimizing the chess pieces on the board. You know what I mean? I surf one of the busiest breaks in town. And to me, if you can surf Queens, Waikiki on a good day, crowded, you can surf anywhere. <laughs> so yeah. So basically, yeah, for me in the future is be consistent. Don't be inconsistent. You know, because I think that's going to preach a lot louder than always changing, but always for improvement. You know what I mean? Because once you think you got it, you're just scratching the surface of what's really out there. And I'm all like, oh, maybe I could shape a nose that way, you know, or I'll see, I'll see like whatever, I'll see an Impala and I'll be like, whoa, this looks, this looks cool. I'll use that color scheme for a glider or something, you know what I mean? You know, but also being picky. Unlike the people I work with, the people, you know what I mean? Because it's like, I want to represent myself, but I also also want to do justice to the people I do work with. You know what I mean? That we're on the same page, that we still have the same vision. So I guess, again, finding clarity, you know, and like where I want my shapes to go, have clarity on the people I want to work with, you know what I mean? But also keeping growth and opportunity alive, because I feel like once a person hits a certain mark, 
I guess the growing stops, you know what I mean? And it's just like, yeah, it's consistency again, but then it's like, I want it to be fun. Always keeping it fun is, is a goal for me, you know? And right now I'm having a blast. (laughs) What would you say, I guess, to like a lot of this, I don't know, new age stuff, I guess what you call it, where it's again, like a reference, like hydrofoils and all this other stuff. It sounds like to me, like you're more like seeing your craft and the purity within it and also probably the tradition of it as well but Mm -hmm. maybe like you yourself not being interested in going in that direction of you know all this new stuff coming out but at the same time being a surfer would you like to at least get on and give it a go maybe not like making those types Uh of boards but like how do you view all of that like or, or is it kind of like where you're just like well no like that is not surfing anymore like that is that's something different just curious on that perspective as well. I respect it. It's not that I look down upon it. It's it's just not my my cup of tea, I guess. You know what I mean? I learned surfing through stand-up boogieing at Sandy Beach. If you know Sandy Beach, it's a closeout wave. And that fundamentals and then putting it into performance shortboarding got me to to understand surfing on a different level. And like, yeah, charging big waves isn't for everybody. And but then it comes with the learning curve of having confidence and being gun ho and not gun shy and taking risks. And I think a lot of that is, it comes down to the person's journey. And I just feel like that's, it, it is intriguing to me watching people pump into these huge waves on hydrofoils and subs getting barreled in Tahiti and stuff. And to me, it's, it's my, my people, I would say like the Hawaiian people paddle into them on woven baskets. So I feel like I should stay true at least for, to myself and to what I believe in. And for me, it's, I like the workout, you know, I, I like to, to paddle out two football fields out and catch a wave with nobody out and paddle in and reflect. So I think that's my jazz, you know, and all the people that do foil and, you know, charge Nazare like triple overhead, you know, foil or on a towing board with a, with a inflatable kite, you know, like it's fun to watch. I just know that that I wouldn't have fun because I'm not in tune with the ocean the way I would want to be. It's highly personalized. It sounds like the experience, the board, you know, all of it essentially. And that kind of leads me into this is very last question here. You know, some would say that shaping is maybe one type of craftsmanship that might be, or could be immune to, you know, threats of, AI or even like factory automation simply due to a lot of this like spiritual side or again like this artistry that goes into the the profession that you're involved with would you agree with that you know or do you see like AI and mass production you know factories basically pumping out boards as a threat to somebody like yourself and what you do right um i look at it as yeah there's just like there's just something about someone touching something versus a machine because like I think a machine could get close but I think a, a, a human could get closer yeah. to like the depth of what a person's looking for and then just that intonation of being able to set up a b and c on a board differently than a machine could I feel like there's definitely should be a level of transparency if a person's using a machine to cut boards and stuff but that's something that I will try not to do as long as I got my, my set of hands, just cause it's like, again, homage to, to, to the people that taught me the craft. And, uh, and for me, I, it's a big deal to, I know I won't be able to do it forever, but I guess my goal is to build like a legacy, you know, hopefully that someone or my next of kin, or, you know what I mean? Somebody that will perpetuate it that like, you know, and I feel like that's how, what I do is going to get passed on. And I feel like a influence through the machine will create great design and dynamic to it. It's not, it's not the devil. It's again, just consistency. Do you know what I mean? But people should understand the difference between the two, not just being like, Oh, it's just as good. You know what I mean? Because I feel like someone put, you know, whatever three man hours into making the board glassing and sanding the board. So it's, it's a lot different, you know, to me, like if it does end up to that, I'll still be doing what I do. So it's not compete. It's just coexist, I guess, you know, it's a good way to look at it. Mm, Yeah. Well said. I mean, I'm guessing that like 
people in the know, like people in the surfing community who, you know, are as passionate about it as you are, like they know all of this, exactly what you've just been explaining. And, you know, that again, again, that spiritual side to it all and the history and the culture. And so all these different elements of what goes into actually shaping and the value in all that, it's highly valued. And I wouldn't say people who aren't part of that community would devalue what somebody like yourself is doing. They probably just don't know enough about it. So like when they go into a shop, maybe, and it's a board that possibly down the tracks in the future has been designed by AI and just pumped out on a factory line, essentially, they're not going to know. But through hopefully conversations like this, like I think it becomes clear to see, clear to understand that getting a board made by somebody like yourself there is all this other layers you know, put into it, you know, the time, the attention, the detail, the feeling, the history, the culture, the art, the design, there's so much more to it that I think anyone would be able to like appreciate all of that. And probably, quite frankly, would be willing to pay more for something like that, where, you know, it, it is personalized, essentially, versus something that's just kind of, I don't know, well, opposite, I guess, impersonal and cold and sterile. So like, I think in a way you, you probably are immune to, to a lot of these things, at least within your own community. And then hopefully as people gain awareness and understanding that, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it, it could be one of those industries where it, it's going to stick around for a long time, just based on everything that you shared in our talk today. Now, I think you could look at it too. It's like, you know what I mean? Uh, just a reference to like my, my time in cooking. It was like, I don't know. It felt a lot better to make pasta dough by hand than throwing it in a mixer you know what i mean because you get in tune with the ingredients and being able to, to touch the ingredients and you know what i mean like really feel how it all comes together in that whole process it's like you know what i mean you put it in the mixer the mixer's taking taking that joy away from you and that and i think that that's what creates pastimes that's what creates the mentorships to to comey or apprentice you know it's just that that uh curiosity of like what does it feel like like what is it oh this is what a rail should feel like or like oh this is how you know ravioli dough should feel like going by feel versus just the recipe well said well said i mean it's been an absolute pleasure I mean, learning all of this from you today hoka i mean i've been to feel like every segment every question every time you open your mouth i was learning something new and it was uh you know it's really really quite interesting and i'm sure again listeners are really going to appreciate this episode and uh come away just as impressed as you know i am personally so thanks so much for joining the show today and for sharing all that you did oh man the pleasure is all mine dude and the aloha is real dude and i hope we get to meet in person one day when you maybe come back to visit hawaii and maybe get to try one of my boards so like again here in hawaii drop me a line man it's it's a door is always open will do all right. Well, for those interested in learning more about Hoku and his work, you can find him on Instagram. And as I said earlier, the handle will be included in the show notes. You'll be able to look it up there. And if you like today's episode, please be sure to share. You know, I think it's great that we can learn a little bit more about each other, what we're doing, the stresses, the pressures, the joys, all of it. it kind of reduces that divide and tribalism, if you will. So yeah, share it, put this out there. Also, you can rate, review, and subscribe wherever you access your podcast. And we did start a channel on YouTube not too long ago, Life As A, where you can check out full video episodes, particularly with this episode, is that I'll have a slideshow up of a lot of Hoku's work in terms of the process. You'll see some of the, the pictures of him shaping the boards. And then you'll also see him, you know, not only writing some of the boards, but also showcasing some of the work that he's done. So head on over there. And if you do, you will notice that uh, the channel is in need some love. So uh, please subscribe, help uh, grow the show. So I'd really appreciate that. And then finally, don't forget to join us on the next episode of Life As A, where we'll continue to explore and unearth the details of professions and the people behind them. I'm your host, Christopher Schoenwald. Until next time, stay curious about life and living. Mm-hmm.